This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. I want to uh, talk about something serious for a moment, if we could, before we get started. Is that we, uh, we are a blessed church to have uh, the worship team that we have. Um, whew, they... Mm. It's not about just playing music. It's about uh, bringing a presence. And I was thinking about it all day. And, and just the idea of um, you've got a reservation. And someone takes your hand and, and leads you to the spot where it's a very special seat. It's in your name only. And I feel like that's what our, our team does for us every single time they get up there and start playing. That they lead us right to the foot of the cross. And Jesus just sits and, and just pours into us every time. So... God, thank you for them. I really appreciate that. That is just a, a real blessing. And, and to go along with this evening, I believe that I am to share something with you to, before I even start my message that um, I firmly believe that doctors and medicine can make the improbable probable. Uh, but I believe that God can take the impossible and make it possible. And someone here tonight, someone here tonight has been told that your situation is impossible. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, it is not impossible in the eyes of the Lord. So whoever that is for, God bless you. They, uh, they have a tendency to call me the weeping pastor, so bear with me if you, if you will. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to land in two places tonight. So we're going to look at Romans 13. Romans 13 and Luke 10. So we're going to hang out there. We're going to talk about a particular subject that I believe the Lord has for us as well. I'm, I'm honored that uh, Chad and Heidi have invited me to, to share the word. It's a, it's a real privilege to be here tonight and to share the word. Before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray for the message. Father, we come. We are expectant for your spirit to move upon us even more this evening, that you, you've moved so sweetly. We ask that you move through your word, that you use it to, to just change lives, to draw people even to a deeper relationship with you and with one another. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We, uh, we live in a time right now where the, your spoken word matters little. Uh, it's not unusual for people to say whatever they want and then behave in a different fashion. They will say that they're one thing and their actions show that they're another thing. And people are beginning to get a little tired of, of not being able to count on a person's word. You know, I grew up in a household where my father taught me that uh, a man's word is his bond and you're only as good as your word and your handshake was as good as your word. And I think that's something that we have lost in this community. And, and he often said to me that your actions speak louder than words, especially when our children were very young. I do remember that, that even when you don't expect them to be watching you, they're watching you. And you can say one thing to them and, and you can lead them in a different way by just looking at them or them watching you. So uh, it's easy to say one thing and to live out another. But it's a real challenge in life to live out what God has placed on you, what is the mantle that he's given you in your life, in your space in this world that he's asked you to carry. And it's hard to live out those words in action. Turn with me to uh, Romans 13, 8. And the Apostle Paul wrote this to the, the church in Rome, and it's, it's in the, one of the greatest letters written in the Bible. If you haven't read it over and over again, I encourage you, just read that, eat it up. But he wrote this, he said, Owe no one anything except to love one another. 
For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, for, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, you shall not steal. Excuse me, you shall not covet. And then there is the commandment that is all summed up saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, fulfill this. Love is a fulfillment of the law. Thank you for the water. Paul wrote, owe no one anything. Initially, he was talking about a financial debt. He was saying, if you owe someone something, don't let it go. Don't just forget it and, and think that they'll let it go out of their mind. If you owe someone something, pay it back. And he was talking about not leaving anything unpaid. I have a friend who often says that we should keep short accounts with God. Well, we should keep short accounts with each other as well to make sure that if we've borrowed something from someone, that we, uh, that we hold up the name of Jesus by paying those things back. So that's what Paul was beginning to, to talk about that. But then he went beyond debts in an ordinary sense. He started talking about uh, a thought of a debt that can never be discharged because of what Jesus did for you and me. And because what God has done in our lives, we owe a debt of love that we can never give up, that we can never walk away from. We may pay our taxes, we may pay our bills and wipe our hands and say, okay, I'm all done. But we can never stand before the Lord and say, I'm done loving. I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. It's a permanent obligation that you and I have, that it will last through the rest of our life, that we are called to love. And if you look at the society that we're in nowadays, I bet you you could see very easily where some of the situations that we've created are because we don't love one another. You listen to the words of a parent to a child in the grocery store. You listen to the words of yourself when you're speaking to yourself, how sometimes we can be the most harsh with our own words pointed inward. We forget that we need to love one another. We need to love ourselves as well. The main point for this evening, if you get nothing else, is this. We can no longer just say we love people. We have to love people with our actions. We have to show them what it means. John wrote this. He said, Dear children, this is John 1, uh, 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us, not let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It was impressed upon me that love as a word is a pronoun and a verb. A pronoun because it's one of the names of God. In John, he writes that God is love. But it's also an action word. It's, word. it's the verb that, that says from our old English classes in high school that, you know, it's one of those things that defines an action. Love is an action. It's not just saying I love you and stopping there. It's saying I love you and then defining that with the actions that you have toward the person that you claim to love. How you love them defines how much you love. Mother Teresa wrote, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. I would add to that, if you love people, you have no time to judge them. I think we do it the wrong way today, guys. I think what we need to look at more is stop judging them for who they are or what they look like or what they might say, but judge them with the love that you give them. Shower them with the love that you have for them. Jesus, at one time, he was teaching in the temple and he was asked a series of questions, and he was talking about a number of things, and um, a gentleman who the, the Bible just labels him as a lawyer came up and challenged him with a question, and he wasn't trying to 
gain wisdom. He wasn't trying to get the real answer. He was trying to show off about how smart he was. And he was also trying to trick Jesus. Jesus had been preaching about love the entire night. And, and we find ourselves at this place where the gentleman walks up to Jesus. And, and he says, uh, who is my neighbor? Because Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus taught him the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to spend a little time here tonight just to look at what, exactly what that means if we were the Good Samaritan, if we were in those shoes, if, if that was a calling that was put on our lives. This is a rather long scripture, but let's read along together. It is Luke 10, 29 through 37. And a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the same place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the gentleman answered, the last one, the third one, the, the good Samaritan. And Jesus told him, Yes, you're right. Both Jesus and Paul are saying some very strong terms that we as believers have a debt of love for everyone around us. There are people in my life that I will honestly say, they're really hard to love. And I tell them on occasion, man, you make it hard to love you, dude. But we have to love them. We have to. We have to look at them and, and see them the way that Jesus sees them, faultless, loved, honored, cared for, worth something. We can demonstrate this in our home. We can demonstrate this in the marketplace, your work, walking around the streets. Wherever you have an opportunity, you can demonstrate the love of Jesus that you have in your heart. And as we look at this story, we can learn three things from this parable which can be applied to our lives. The first one is this. It cost him personally. The sermon tonight is called Costly Love. But it cost him personally. The, the Samaritan was obviously on a mission. It said he was traveling from Jer Jericho to Jerusalem. They were said back in, in those days that there were just as many uh, priests and Levites in Jericho as there were in Jerusalem. So there was a great center of activity going on. That road was, was very well uh, traveled. You could go there today if you were in the, uh, the ancient city. You could actually walk that same road. The same road still exists. I plan on some time in my life. It's my top of my bucket list. I've not been there yet. And can you imagine when you're running out of the house or running out of your office and you're in a hurry, you're late for an appointment already, and someone says, can I just have a minute with you? A, it's never a minute. And B, it can be very frustrating. So imagine when this, this man, the Samaritan, was on this travel as he's walking around. He stops and he sees this gentleman. How many times have you and I saw someone sitting on a sidewalk or in a curb or in the park and felt that little nudge? I know I have. 
and I walked. But yet this man stopped and he looked into the man and he saw the, the, the damage that was done. He saw the hurts that the man had and, uh, and, and according to scriptures, he was close to death. So what did he do? He took his own bandages, his own cloth, bandaged the man up, cleaned him up as best he could, poured some wine on him, poured some oil on him, and put him on his own horse or donkey and took him to an inn. It cost him personally. That part of the, uh, the road that he was on was called Blood Alley because it was so vicious. There were thieves all the time. It actually had its own garrison and fort watching over that pass. He knew that, and yet he stopped anyway. He put himself at great risk of being attacked and robbed. These robbers were not just the kind of stick-up men who'd say, give me your money. From what it says in here, they were vicious. They beat him viciously to the point where he was nearly dead. It cost this man personally to stop and put himself at risk, to put himself at harm, to wait on this man, to care for him, to pick him up, and to walk him back to an inn in Jericho. There was no upside for him. There was nothing for him to gain. Nothing. They'd taken everything of this man. If he ever thought of putting a dollar in his pocket, there was nothing there to take. The man was stripped bare of everything. And no one else was going to do it for him. And yet this man, this Samaritan, felt compelled to lean over a complete stranger and apply some love and some care to him. It's all too easy for us to stop and think somebody else will do this. Somebody else will take care of it. You know, I, one of these days, I want to meet this somebody. And like my kids tell me, nobody, anybody, I don't know. I want to meet these people. Because someday, somebody... He's going to do something. If we are to walk in God's commandments, though, if we are to be living examples of Jesus, then it will cost you and me personally. We have to sacrifice our time. We have to sacrifice something of who we are if we are to truly represent who Christ is in the world. The next point is this. It cost him financially. In exercising his love for this unknown man, he used his own resources. He poured out his wine. He was traveling. He poured out his own wine. He poured out his own oil. He used his own clothing for bandages. And back then, an animal was considered part of your wealth. The more animals you had, the more wealthy you were. He had the one animal with him. And yet, he put this man on his animal and used his animal to take him back to uh, the, the inn. Out of his own resources, he paid for the man's room and board. He told the innkeeper, this will cover his cost. Well, if you read through a little more, it was nighttime. He's not going to walk to Jerusalem at night, so he stayed there himself. He had to pay for his own room. He had to pay for his own food. He was just walking to Jerusalem and came across a, a stranger who needed help. And yet it's costing him financially. The Samaritan almost also committed something that I find very interesting, that when at the end of the story he says, if you expend any more money when I come back, I will pay it. And I'm a wordy, I, I dig into the words of the scripture, and one of the things that they talk about there is that it's an emphatic promise. I give you my word, I will come back, and I will pay you. He couldn't write down, you know, I live at 
123 Anytime Street. He couldn't write that down. He just said, look, I'll be back. The innkeeper had to take him at his word because apparently his word was pretty good. If he's going to bend over and help a stranger and bring a stranger in for care, when he very easily could have just said, poor guy, and kept walking. But he didn't. So his word was worth something, and his actions spoke louder than his words. And you know I'm a money guy, and I always preach financial restraint. But in this scenario, I'm encouraging you, if God encourages you to reach out and expend of your own finances to help someone in his children, I encourage you to do that. Test him in that. Let him use you. Let him use your resources, and let him show you what, what that is. There will come a time when the Spirit of God prompts you to act on his behalf. I don't know about you, but standing before a room full of people and telling them that you believe that you heard a word from the Lord is, is a pretty frightening thing sometimes. He's going to ask you to do something on someone else's behalf, whether it's speak a word of encouragement, whether it's speak a word of compassion, a word of comfort, whether it's to buy them dinner or make them dinner, whether it's to, to be there when they've suffered a, a horrible tragedy in their life, to listen. He's going to ask us to do something that's going to cost us personally. Perhaps it would be your time. Time is precious. We can never get it back. Perhaps it'll be your money. But to live out the commandment to love one another, we have to be willing to make a personal financial sacrifice. It will cost you. The next and my final point this evening is, is this. It costs this man publicly. You know, he was a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans and the vice versa. As a member of the community of a hated group of people, for him to step aside and actually help a Jewish man was risky to him because they used to beat people for doing that. It was worthy of a beating just as because. So he risked that publicly. He risked ridicule. What are you as a Samaritan doing helping this Jew? We stand in places many times during the day where we might feel that we need to step out for the Lord and it's going to be a challenge because someone may not like the fact that you're a Christian and they may not like the fact that you walk up and say, you know, I, I want to pray for you. I believe it's important that I say something for you. And they might not appreciate that fact. And you might find yourself being publicly humiliated because you believe what you believe. His act of kindness was one that was unheard of at the time. The interesting thing is when Jesus was telling the story, he was telling it to the priests and the Levites in the temple. You know, the priest walked by and didn't do anything. The Levite walked by and didn't do anything. Jesus is telling them that your kind of people just walked by and didn't do anything when that's what you're called to do is to help. So they were not expecting it when Jesus said the Samaritan stopped and helped. It was unheard of that a Samaritan would actually stop and help a Jew for the treatment that they'd been given all their life. If you haven't noticed, being a Christian today is not something that's held in high esteem in our society. We are regularly mocked and ridiculed and counted down, counted less because of our faith. We stand to be ridiculed in public. But I do believe Jesus said something about that. They will hate you because of your love for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm just fine with that. 
There are forces in this country that would want us to give up our rights simply because we're, we're Christians, and our rights don't align with their choices. And don't get me wrong, I know that there are places in this world that people are being murdered, just as Christianity, just because they're Christians. We don't face that, and I thank God for that. What we face are minor inconveniences compared to what's going on in the world. But remember, it might cost you someday to be a Christian. You're not one of those Christian people, are you? Matter of fact, I am. It's going to cost you to say that at some point in time. It's going to cost you to say that I can't do that for you because it's against my beliefs. I can't do that because it's against my beliefs. You will be held to account because you're a Christian and because you have beliefs that are different. Yet, we are called to walk out our faith in love. Now, I don't think we need to go into, an, into a room or a setting or anything and say and walk in with a big sign that says, I'm a Christian, I'm here to love you. I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> I think that might scare a few people away. But I know for a fact that there are moments in your life, just this afternoon, that God gave you an open door to speak in a way that was loving and kind. And you stepped through that door and you spoke loving, kind words to people. That's what we look for. That's what we as Christians want, is we want those doors to open so that we can walk in and gently speak to someone. While I used to preach on the corners of streets, I, I don't think that we have to do that only. I think it's effective, but I also think what's more effective is to just gently draw someone into the, the kingdom. Show them your grace. Show them your love to the point where they say, what is that about you? Why are you the way you are? And there's that door that, that God just says, here, walk through this, son. Daughter, talk to this person. He'll give you the words to say. Don't be afraid. He'll give you the words to say. Jesus singled out the Samaritans' actions as those we are to model. You won't miss them. You'll see them. Sometimes you have to look really close. Sometimes you have to look them in the eye before you can see the pain that they're suffering. Other times the pain is right on the surface. It comes out in their anger, their bitterness. We have to look. We have to make sure that when we see that, that we walk in such a way that we're representing Christ. Show honest concern. Act on that honest concern. And invest your life in others. I can almost guarantee that someone did you. That's why you're here tonight. Because someone invested their life in you. Right? I'll close with this. Since you are here, I have no doubt that you are capable of love. You're in love with Jesus or you wouldn't be here. The worship that we just talked about and sang about, that was some loud worship, guys. We were singing to him. We were telling him, we love you, Jesus. We adore you. So I'm not worried about your ability to love. But perhaps it's a time where we can all stop and reflect on how do I demonstrate that, Jesus? I sing these things that I love you, that I adore you, that I cherish you, that I pour my, my anointing on you. But how do we show that to everybody else when we're outside the safe place called church? When we're outside of our network of, of comfy Christians? Come on. How does it look when we walk out those doors? Is your love costly? Does it cost you personally? 
Have you told Jesus that, Lord, I'll, I'll step out for you? Can you cover me? Does it cost you financially? Have there been circumstances that you know a family was hurting or a family needed something that you knew you had the ability, but it would stretch you in your comfort? I encourage you, just walk in that. Trust him. If you're getting that Holy Spirit nudge, now with me sometimes it's a Holy Spirit two by four. I'm a little dense, but you know, if you got that Holy Spirit nudge that he says, I want you to, to give something to that family, I'm encouraging you to step into that and watch what he does in return. Watch what it does to their family, but then again, watch what it does to you. And does it cost you publicly? Are you willing to risk what you have to speak publicly about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Look, we have no problem wearing a ring that signifies I'm in a relationship. Right? We wear crosses around our neck sometimes, might have them tattooed to your arm. But does it cost you? Are you willing to risk that for who you love? He gave us one great commandment, but the greatest of them is these, that you love yourself and you love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's all we're called to do. It's easy. It's really easy just to tell people and let people know that you're willing to love them. And there will be those who challenge you. There will be those that will speak against what you believe because you're crazy for believing that. Mm -mm. You're crazy for not believing it. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 11 says this, My word goes out of my mouth, and it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God does not put these parables in the Bible just to fill up space. They're meant to teach you. They're meant to lead us. They're meant to stretch us out of our comfort zone and cause us to stand up for the Lord. I encourage you tonight, spend some time with these scriptures. Over the next couple of days, pray over them, read them. And ask the Lord, would you impress upon my heart, God, what you want me to do? Search my heart, God, and, and just clear up what I need to clear up, but help me, Lord, to be who you want me to be. I want to represent you, Lord. It's good to spend that time with him and ask him. I don't think he's going to smack you for, you know, well, you didn't do it right. I don't feel like he's that kind of Jesus. I feel like he's the kind of Jesus that's going to wrap you in his arms and say, well done. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I think that's what you're going to find. Would you stand with me as we pray? I always like asking a question of you tonight as, as I finish, and, and I want to ask, what is the Holy Spirit oppressing upon you now? What's the Spirit of God saying to your spirit? Where is he nudging you? Where that is, I encourage you to step into that. I encourage you to live that place out. I encourage you to let that door be open and, and let the, the Spirit of God speak to you. But more importantly, I encourage you to let the Spirit of God speak to others through you. And so let's pray tonight. You bow your heads with me. Father, we come just in a spirit of thankfulness. 
your word is meant to transform us. It already has, God. But we're asking that it transform us even more. What we see and what we read and what we hear about the world today, it seems like it's getting worse. But we know a king who can make the impossible possible. And we're asking that you would do that in the world today. But use us, God. Father, where I have fallen short in walking in the love that you have demonstrated for me, I, I pray for your forgiveness, for your forgiveness of all of us who have fallen short in that. But Lord, I ask for your encouragement, the, the, spirit, the whisper of your spirit that says, there's one, there's one, speak to them. Lord, give us the strength to not be fearful of what it will cost us personally, of what it will cost us financially and what it will cost us publicly. Because, Lord, we know that you have the ability to take whatever effort we make and make it glorious. Lord, we just ask that we can be a light in this world that has grown dark. Help us to share your love as you have done for us. We pray these things in the precious and joyous name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And the church says...